at this time, NBC News projects that Donald Trump will win the Michigan Republican primary. That is our election projection. Donald Trump, the projected winner of the Michigan primary. NBC News can also now project that President Joe Biden will win the Michigan Democratic primary. Again, Joe Biden, projected winner of the Michigan Democratic primary. Let's head over to Steve Kornacki, who is where he always is, his post at the big board. Steve, what are the latest numbers here? Yeah, well, you can see if you've been following for the last hour, the story has been as the really the difference between the polls being open and closed in Michigan is Gogibic, Iron, Dickinson, Mononymy together a combined 0.5% of the statewide vote. So everything else has been closed for an hour. But now that the Wisconsin border counties are closed, we can make that projection. But it's been evident to you if you've been watching it for the last hour, what's been happening here. And one of the things is as more and more vote has been coming in, it was initially very concentrated right here in southeastern Michigan, but more votes from the rural areas up north are starting to come in. Some of the UP is starting to come in. And that Haley number has continued to tick down and down ever so slightly. Now she's just over 30 percent at 31 percent. Now Trump a better than two to one lead over Nikki Haley. And we mentioned, if you were watching just a few minutes ago, in southeastern Michigan, the two counties where Haley we think is going to do best tonight and where if she wanted to have a strong showing statewide, it really needed to show was bit one, the main major suburban uh, county of Oakland County. More than half the vote is in there. She's barely above 30 percent. This is a county, frankly, for Haley to be making a, a statement in Michigan, she would need to be winning. And, and what should be her best county in the state, quite possibly, would be Washtenaw County, University of Michigan, Eastern Michigan University. And even there, now 70 percent of the vote is in, and she's losing by almost 12 points to Donald Trump. So everywhere else around there, and certainly in the rest of the state, gets worse and worse for Haley. And it raises the question of whether she's even going to be able to finish, I think, above that 30 percent number. Remembering she got 43 in New Hampshire, she got uh, uh, 40 in South Carolina. What could still uh, 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 buttress Haley's support would be, we've mentioned this, this corner of western Michigan around Kent County, where Grand Rapids is, around Ottawa County. This is where Holland, Michigan is. And you see we have a little bit of vote in. It's almost nothing, but I can show you from Ottawa County. We do have about 1 percent in, and that initial 1 percent, if it's a harbinger of anything, would be terrible for Haley because this should be Outside of those two counties, I just showed you her best area in the state. There's a five county region here that's about 17 percent of the statewide Republican primary vote total. And this five county region, Donald Trump didn't win a single one of them in the 2016 Republican primary in Michigan. In fact, in two of them, including the one we've just highlighted here, he finished in third place in 2016. This is as he was winning the state by a double digit margin. So again, if Haley wants to get that statewide number up or wants to at least stabilize it where it is, I think this area is really going to have to come in for her. One other sort of big outstanding uh, slice of vote in southeastern Michigan. We're still waiting on Livingston County. Nothing there. But again, especially once you get north here, basically we could say Saginaw. It's a bit arbitrary. But once you get north of there, it's basically Trump country in small rural counties with large uh, populations of non-college white voters, the core Trump base. You can just see what's happening here as they start to report in. You're going to see margins like that. Cumulatively, they're going to add up and they're going to buttress that Trump number statewide. Now, taking a look here at the Democratic side overall, now 10 percent of the vote and uncommitted over, for at least for the moment, that 15 percent mark, 15 percent statewide, 15 percent in congressional districts in Michigan is the threshold on the Democratic side to begin collecting delegates to the Democratic National Convention. Now, with a margin like this, Biden is going to take the lion's share of the delegates here. But the possibility that uncommitted gets delegates is certainly alive in the in the early returns here. But basically, the uncommitted story on the Democratic side that we're following for the rest of the night is going to be concentrated in a few places. The first is right here in Wayne County. This is 
is the biggest of the big. This is Detroit uh, here, but it's also home of Dearborn. And you had the mayor on from Dearborn uh, a few minutes ago, Dearborn with a majority Arab American population. So we have obviously 85 votes only from Wayne tonight. There's going to be far, far more coming in. But that's going to tell a big part of the story here uh, of whether uncommitted is registering with that large Arab American and Muslim American population is uncommitted, racking up big numbers when substantial votes start to come in. And then the other type of uh, uh, vote, the other demographic um, that uncommitted might be drawing support from, we said, College counties, college students, maybe college faculty for that matter. We've certainly gotten indications on college campuses of a lot of dissent towards Joe Biden's uh, Israel-Hamas policy. So Washtenaw County, University of Michigan at Ann Arbor, Eastern Michigan University, about 40 percent is in right now. And that uncommitted number continues to hover just below a quarter of the vote right there. Um, the other major places to watch then in, for this uncommitted factor would be college counties, really, in the rest of Michigan. So places you would look, this is Isabella County up here. This is where Central Michigan University is. This is Kalamazoo County. Western Michigan is here. Let's go Broncos. Uh, go up to Marquette. Oh, a beautiful county. Marquette is on Lake Superior. It's also the home of Northern Michigan University. And you could look right here in Houghton County. That's where Michigan Tech is. So we could look in these counties as they come in. We, we do have some vote in Isabella and Kalamazoo. I don't believe it's much. Yeah, Isabella is just a scattering and Kalamazoo is also just a scattering. But, you know, Wayne County with that large uh, Arab American population and then those college counties I just looked at, that's going to tell, I think, the story here. Those would be the high watermarks probably for uncommitted in this state. And again, that question of where it ultimately lands here and, and for, you know, a little bit of a question there, too, of is it getting some delegates? That would be more of a symbolic thing, but that would be interesting if uncommitted is collecting delegates. Fascinating stuff here, Steve. Thank you for that. We'll be back to you soon. Today, volunteers were out on the streets of Michigan, not canvassing for any one particular candidate, but canvassing to get Michiganders to vote uncommitted in today's primary. It is a protest vote, a vote to send a message to President Biden that these voters want the White House to push Israel more forcefully toward a ceasefire in Gaza, and they do not approve of his handling of the war thus far. The organizers behind this effort had aimed to get 10,000 uncommitted votes today, that would mirror the 10,000 vote margin by which Trump beat Hillary Clinton in Michigan in 2016. It is a relatively low bar, which is why which is one they cleared just minutes after polls closed tonight. Michigan has more than 300,000 Arab American residents and hundreds of thousands of college students. Beyond that, Wayne County, Michigan is the home city of the home of the city of Dearborn, which has the largest Muslim population per capita of any city in the United States. Just west of Wayne County is Washtenaw County, home to the University of Michigan and Eastern Michigan University. Both the state's Arab population and its college-age population have been outspoken in expressing their anger towards the current U.S. policy on the Israel-Hamas war. These, those are not only the only typically Democratic votes we're going to be looking at tonight. Exit polls show that in 2020, union members in Michigan backed Joe Biden by a 25-point margin. But a Fox News poll out this month showed Biden's lead among the state's union voters has fallen to 12 points. And that is outside the fairly whopping seven point margin of error in this poll. So there is a lot of vote that Democrats will be looking both at and for when the results come in as far as what might happen in November. Joining us now is Michigan's Democratic Senator Debbie Stabenow. Senator Stabenow, it is an exciting night to have you with us. And thank as you. we as thanks for joining us as we get sure. these vote totals in, I want to first ask you about the uncommitted vote and and how you think the Biden campaign should be reaching out to these voters tomorrow. 
Well, it's, it's great to be with you again. And let me say, um, this is an important group of people who want to be heard and are making themselves heard. And it's very important. And I know that President Biden is listening, as he should be, and is moving forward to uh, do a number of things that need to be done in terms of ceasefire and uh, addressing you know, what has been incredible loss of life of, of innocent citizens, as well as bringing hostages home. So it's important. I think it's also uh, important to say there's a, another piece of the story in Michigan, I think, that is not yet focused on, which is the fact that people came out to vote. People came out to vote. We worked really hard to move up our primary because we are a very diverse state, both economically, ethnically, uh, in, in every possible way. We represent America. And we saw more people vote before today in absentee ballots and early voting that did before in 2020. People were voting, excited to come out and vote. And people are voting today. So that's important to focus on as well. President Biden will overwhelmingly win Michigan, but he needs to be very respectful and pay attention. And I'm confident he will of those people who have voted uncommitted to send a very strong message about their concerns. I should say also, this is not new to Michigan. Back in 2012 with President Obama, we had about 10 percent of those who voted in the primary that voted uncommitted for various reasons. This will be more than that tonight, certainly. But um, it's important to pay attention to that, but also pay attention to everyone else who was voting uh, overwhelmingly for President Biden in a very large coalition. You know, people are working in Michigan and they know it in good paying jobs and they appreciate our taking on the drug companies and women in our state certainly understand what is at stake in terms our, of our freedoms to make our own reproductive decisions. And they're frankly horrified after Alabama about what comes next with IVF. So we have a broad coalition Everyone needs to be respected, and certainly the, the president needs to be respectful of those who were uh, voting uncommitted as well. Uh, Senator, given the extraordinary amount of support that the president has offered uh, union workers, both on the picket line and through legislation, are you at all concerned about some of this polling that shows that his support among union workers may have softened between now and 2020? You know, Alex, I just don't believe that. I, I have been all over the state. I have been campaigning with the president, who gets overwhelming positive responses. You know, we went to UAW halls a, a couple of weeks ago. I've been with our building construction uh, workers and their leadership in the last two weeks. They're working. They're working overtime. They know where that's coming from. They know that the fact that we've got that we're rebuilding Michigan and and uh, creating more manufacturing jobs and bringing jobs home. They know that. So I, you know, the polls. Uh, you know the polls are the polls. But I can just tell you, with all the bad polls we hear all the time, the reality is we've won every special election as Democrats. We have, we have beat the polls, it seems like, over and over and over again. And so Michigan's a purple state. We're going to have to work really hard. But I don't believe for a minute that he has lost uh, support, given what he has been doing to support workers in Michigan. 
Senator Sabanow, Chris Hayes here. Just to, to, to follow up on that, it, it, it's interesting to hear you talk about the sort of economic s- status of folks in Michigan. For so long, I think, despite all the, you know, truly remarkable macroeconomic numbers, the, the, the sort of cost of living and inflation tended to cloud that out right. in the political discussion, in the punditry discussion. Do you think that's turned the corner in your state? Do you feel like all of these numbers, record low unemployment, investment in manufacturing, is, 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 is impacting folks that you're around and campaigning with? You know, Chris, that's a really good question. And I do think we're turning a corner. It was very frustrating for a long time, <laughs> you know, when we were seeing these numbers, you know, 15 million new jobs and the best economy, more small businesses, you know, the lowest black unemployment uh, forever, ever, mm-hmm. ever. Um, and yet people weren't feeling it. But I see a change. I really do. And when I say to folks that are, uh, when I'm in the union halls, and, and these are construction folks doing all of the great work, and I say, how you doing? Oh, great. Working overtime. Yeah. Do you know who did that? And now they're saying Joe Biden and Democrats, that they know it, prevailing wage, the, the efforts. You know, they saw the president on the picket line for the first time ever, a president out there. Uh, and they know that Donald Trump then went to a non-union place and paid people to pretend they were union workers, you know, so he could say somehow he supported auto workers. They're, they're not fools. I mean, they, they know what's happening. And, and we're beginning to see it in other ways. You know, I talk to people who are seeing their their prescription drug costs go down. Or somebody, a union member who said to me, you know, my mom uh, is on insulin and it's now $35 a month. And man, that's made a difference for her. Um, so it's, it's starting. And that's why I'm actually very confident. I mean, we've got work to do. We've got to tell the story, for sure. We have to all tell the story uh, and not listen to every single poll. <laughs> but, you know, look at what's happening on the ground, which is what I'm doing every single day. And I can tell you that, you know, I'm optimistic. I, re- I really am. And I think tonight's a part of that. Debbie Stabenow, Senator for the great state of Michigan, with some real talk for all of us. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Um, This is, you know, it is great to hear from the senator about what is really happening on the ground on issues that I know you in particular have been talking animatedly about for some time. We've got more special coverage of the Michigan primary coming up right after the break. I think the reason why we got Trump in 2016 is because people did not vote. And I understand uncommitted, but this is too important an election to be uncommitted. Activists with the Listen to Michigan campaign are calling on Democrats to vote uncommitted instead of voting for the incumbent Democratic president, Joe Biden, in order to register discontent about the president's policy in the Israel-Hamas war. Heading into tonight, Listen to Michigan was hoping to garner at least 10,000 uncommitted votes, roughly Donald Trump's margin of victory in 2016 against Hillary Clinton. Right now, they are at over 20,000 votes. That is almost 16 percent of the vote across the state. Listen to Michigan now expects they will even receive a delegate to send to the Democratic Convention in Chicago this summer. Joining us now is Leila Elabad, campaign manager for the Listen to Michigan campaign. Um, thank you so much for joining me tonight. It's a big night for your grassroots organization. Can I first get your thoughts on the numbers we have thus far? I think our official count is over 20,000. We have some reporting that says it could go as high as 100,000. We know that uh, Joe Biden beat Donald Trump by 154,000 in the state. Is there any chance Listen to Michigan gets to that number? 
I mean, that would be amazing for us to get to that number. But right now, we know that we are emerging emerging victorious. Um, we had a modest uh, uh, expectation of 10,000 votes, and we've already doubled that just in the short time that um, after closing locations have closed. Um, so we, we feel really good right now, um, and it would be amazing to reach those numbers as well. Um, there is some talk that you may get you may earn a delegate to the Democratic convention. I wonder if you've kind of have a strategy for what you might do with that delegate and what, what the future of that delegate might be. Yeah, I mean, right now it's just really exciting to even think about the prospect of sending a delegate um, and having that. And we will talk about that um, as our next steps. Um, right now we are celebrating um, this this victory um, and, you know, the the... Palestinians um, are in our hearts and prayers right now. Um, and we know that we are doing this um, in order to have a permanent ceasefire um, and put pressure on Joe Biden to change course now. You talk about a permanent ceasefire. I, I wonder if you could tell me a little bit more about the coalition, because it seems as if there's not two fact, if not two factions, two sides of it, insofar as one group of people who want to see concrete action from this White House. But then there may be another subset of individuals for whom the Biden administration has crossed effectively a red line, for whom they will not vote, they will not vote for Joe Biden in November. They may sit out the election entirely. Is that an accurate assessment? And could you give us a sense of the sort of breakdown in terms of what percentage of people are still open to a message and action from this White House? Well, the Listen to Michigan campaign has been solely uh, uh, focused on the primary um, to send that resounding message to Joe Biden that we need a ceasefire now. We need him to listen to his core constituency, his base that put him in an office in 2020. And he needs to listen to us when we say we need a permanent ceasefire in order to save as many lives as possible. And Michiganders, especially within our community, the Arab American and Muslim American community, this this aggression has affected us directly. Um, and so when we talk about these factions um, within this uh, this movement, this uh, pro this pro ceasefire movement, um, I think that there is going to be, um, you know, come November, there is going to be folks that can't bring themselves to vote for Joe Biden um, because of that deep betrayal, not only as Muslim Americans and Arab Americans that have direct ties um, to Palestine and to that region, but also it feels a betrayal to our democracy that we would align ourselves, uh, the United States would align themselves with Netanyahu and his right wing government over the people that have been saying since October, we need a permanent ceasefire right now. Is there a conversation inside the coalition about the possible scenario in which the, the sitting out of the election hands a victory to Donald Trump? Is that something that is actively discussed within the Listen to Michigan group? Well, we know that our community that has supported Listen to Michigan, that have worked on Listen to Michigan, they're not going to vote in a monolith. So I can't speak for everyone that is part of our coalition. Um, but what I do understand is that we know this coalition knows that um, 
Donald Trump and his presidency was not a friend um, to the Muslim American and Arab American community, but most communities um, that were part of this coalition. But what we can say right now is we, we focused on the primary to send this message to Joe Biden that he needed to listen to Michiganders when we said we need a permanent ceasefire now. And come November, it's going to be Joe Biden and the Democratic, Democratic Party that are going to be held accountable for handing the White House to someone like Trump. Leila Alabad, thank you so much for your time tonight. We'll be watching those returns, as I'm sure you will be, too. Appreciate your time. Let's head back over to Steve Kornacki, who is at the big board with more information and results for us. Steve, what you got? Well, yeah, let's just track that story quickly. What you were talking about there, the uncommitted vote. Really, it's 15 percent right now statewide. We were looking at select kind of counties and areas where this you really want to see what the impact is. The big one here, one of the big ones, Washtenaw, the college county. If you've been watching, it has ticked down the uncommitted total a bit. It was running about 25 percent. It's fallen as about half the vote has come in here. But again, the votes are coming in from a variety of places in the county. So keep Keep an eye on that one, though. That right now is the high water mark for uncommitted. And we are now starting to get a little bit more, at least out of Wayne. Detroit, the biggie here, the mother load, but Dearborn, for the purposes of trying to see the um, uh, the uncommitted level of support, Dearborn, the biggie within Wayne that we're waiting on. And on the Republican side, just to update you, Haley has now fallen under 30 percent. And again, we just talked about how I think really just based on what you saw in Iowa and excuse me, in New Hampshire and South Carolina and the types of voters she was drawing votes from in those states. Yeah, she would have expected, I think you would have expected her to be doing better in the southeastern part of the state here, but she's losing all of those counties, including one that could be her best in the state. And we said, keep an eye on this zone here right around Grand Rapids. These are two big counties. Kent where Grand Rapids is in Ottawa County where Holland is like 5% of the vote for this whole state in this primary is going to come out of Ottawa County right here. And it is early, but we do have 7%. And we told you, Ottawa one of the worst counties in the state for Donald Trump in 2016. He came in third here. He only got 19 percent of the vote. Let's see if this is any kind of a harbinger, this early vote. You know, Haley right now, though, I think honestly, you know, she wants to crack 30 percent. This area has got to deliver for her because Trump is just racking up huge, huge margins in all of the blue collar, rural uh, and the areas with low concentrations of college degrees. And again, Haley missed her mark here in southeastern Michigan. So at 40, 43 percent, she was getting other primaries. She's looking like she's coming in under it. The question is just how much under will she even get 30 percent right now is a question. Yeah. You know, Chris, thank you, Steve. I am I'm really interested in um if Nikki Haley stays in this race for several more weeks, whether her rhetoric around Donald Trump, which, you know, Claire McCaskill said in the earlier hour, has gotten sharper, but she's still not quite, you know, we're not talking about the essential sins of Donald Trump inside the Republican yeah. primary yet. That's not part of the conversation. No. And whether she... If Unfo- he's, he's too unfocused, as you pointed out the other the night. Lack of focus was yeah, her big... lack of focus. You know, and and that Joe Biden's failures and Donald Trump's lack of yeah. focus, right? Yeah. Um, one wonders if, if this is her conscience keeping her in the race. If, if she doesn't actually have designs on on the nomination at a convention floor fight, uh, whether she actually does speak her truth in a, in a meaningful way in the closing hours of her candidacy. Yeah, I mean, the, it's a question that's adjacent to a question I've asked myself about th- throughout this entire race, specifically with regards to Chris Christie and some of the things he said after he dropped out of the race, which is who are the sliver of persuadable voters that we're talking about. People who have voted for Donald Trump, who consider themselves Republicans, partisan Republicans, who almost certainly have a low favorability of Joe Biden and Democrats, but who could be moved off of voting for Donald Trump. They exist. Mm-hmm. They're showing up, I think, in what we're seeing. And the question of like, what arguments will they yeah, listen right. to, right? So 
the the man is the, the man is a sort of sociopathic menace who w- w- represents the worst challenge to the constitutional republic since the confederacy which i think is a true statement is not the argument that right. is going to work on them and i guess i don't i guess i have a hard time figuring out what that right argument is I, well, it's a thanksgiving dinner table argument with your uncle totally right? and we're watching her i think we are we have watched her workshop this argument and it has had some effect i mean th- this has been better than she's more successful than Ron DeSantis's argument, which is like Donald Trump is too soft on trans kids, right. which did not work. Right. So there's something to it. She's speaking to a certain portion of that party. Um, if the majority of the party wants Donald Trump, and that's clear. Mm-hmm. My question is, does she start to unlock something? That is an argument that can be because I think, you know, the, the sort of January 6th democracy things, which to me are so pressing, like. I do think if those if that argument worked on those folks, they probably would be They'd off already, that train already, yeah. right? Um, so I do think it's interesting to watch her rhetoric because it's a little bit of a real time experiment of what what works. what can reach those people. Yeah, there is a question though: Can the party actually move beyond him unless they address the central? Problems, I told that right? I completely if agree. You, with. If you yes. just keep saying he's just not a winner, um, we'll see what that's not does. a winner, and he's unfocused. Unfocused. So the thing people say. What's the first thing you said with Donald Trump? Unfocused. Insufficiently focused. Hey, it may work for some people. Uh, More ahead. We will be back soon with special coverage of the results from the Michigan primary. Stay with us. I'm hoping this uncommitted vote will at least let him know that in Michigan, his his it's not a wrap here. It's not a lock here. Um, There are a lot of people here that are not happy with the job he's doing. Who'd you just vote for? What'd you just vote for? Non committed. Why? I don't like either candidate. One is Biden is a little too old and Trump is too far right extreme for me. That was a voter in Detroit, Michigan, earlier today, explaining his uncommitted vote in the state's Democratic primary today, not because of President Biden's handling of the conflict in Gaza, but because of his age. Joining me now is Democratic Michigan State Senator Mallory McMorrow. Senator McMorrow, thanks for being here tonight. Um, you know, we've been talking a lot this evening about the war in Gaza. We've been talking about Trump v. Haley and the schism inside the Republican Party. I am really interested to hear from you how new X factors are influencing the Michigan electorate and specifically the question of reproductive freedoms. IVF, because of the Alabama court ruling, has become a national issue. And I wonder if you could give us a sense of how that's playing out on the ground in your state in terms of animating Democratic voters, independents, and even maybe Republicans. Look, I can tell you, heading into this election year, I think a lot of people felt a lot of fatigue at the thought of a rematch of 2020. But in the wake of the Alabama ruling and a state representative here who's gained a lot of attention uh, in the Republican Party recently, who's called for an outright ban on contraception, it has fired people up. There have been phone banks and events organizing all around the state because this was an issue that Michigan led on hard in 2022, women mobilized extremely hard to codify abortion access and reproductive rights in our state constitution. And we'll be damned if that gets overdone on the federal level. So it is going to be a huge issue heading into November. 
Senator Chris Hayes here. Just to follow up on that, you talk about phone banks. I'm just curious. There was a tremendous and tremendously effective statewide organizing push around that statewide constitutional amendment that secured abortion rights. Are those organizations, those folks like still in touch? Is there sort of is there still the capacity that was there, the connections that were made, the volunteer bases, all the things you need to mobilize in 2022? Is that still extant? And will that play a factor in November? A hundred percent it is. You know, this is something I I have to give credit where credit is due on the right, that the anti-choice movement did and did successfully for a long time was attempt ballot measures, even though they knew it wasn't going to be successful Mm. because it mobilized volunteers, Mm -hmm. allowed them contact information. Now we're doing it on our side. These people are engaged. They're connected. We have organizers in all 83 counties and they are ready to go again. I want to ask just a little bit about how the prosecutions of Donald Trump are playing out in a state like Michigan, where you have an attorney general who's actively pursuing uh, fake electors who tried to interfere with the results of the 2020 campaign, where there was a plot to assassinate the governor of your state, where there's a strong militia presence. I mean, is that does that does that animate the Republican side as equally as it does the Democratic side? Can you talk just a little bit about how that all plays out in terms of the internal Michigan politics? You know, it's interesting because the the Republican side is going through a bit of an identity crisis right now. There are two competing state GOP parties and potentially two competing conventions. There was a court case playing out just today to decide which convention is the actual GOP convention. And it is this schism of people who will willingly fall in line behind Donald Trump, despite the fact that, yes, there was a plot to kidnap and potentially kill the governor. I was on the Senate floor below men in carrying AR-15s in full tactical gear. And most Michiganders just want to move on. But it's really hard to let go of the allure for some people of Donald Trump, who demands nothing but 100 percent loyalty. Can you can you talk to us real quick about the the young people of Michigan, which makes me sound like a very much an old person. But as we get this vote in for uncommitted there, there is there's a sizable portion of young voters in 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 the Ann Arbor area and Ypsilanti who are, are voting uncommitted as a sort of sign of either mistrust or distaste for the incumbent president. And I wonder how much of an issue you think that is in the in terms of the general election, potentially November, how much. President Biden needs to shore up support with Michigan's young. You know, I was just uh, at the University of Michigan last week giving a, a talk to to young people there. And I think there was a real fear that I had. This kept me up at night that young people were just going to stay home this election. So the fact that we do have people turning out and making their voices heard. There's a long time between now and November. I know that the administration has worked hard well before this primary to reach out and connect, particularly on the issue of the war between Israel and Gaza right now, what we're seeing happen. Hopefully the news of a brokered ceasefire comes to fruition. But, you know, engaging young people, in my mind, in Michigan is a great thing that is exercising Mm. your right to vote now. That's going to pave a path to November that we desperately need. Michigan State Senator Mallory McMorrow, great to have you on the program. Thank you so much for the insight. Really appreciate it. Thank you. 
Um, I think it's so invaluable hearing from the people who actually understand, first totally of all, agree. what she was saying about the infrastructure that has been built up completely in and around the question of reproductive freedom. I mean, when you talk about what the whole ball game might be actually in November, no. could be IVF, could be abortion, could be this sort of freedom of bodily autonomy. And I also think that the last point she made, I think, is actually a really important one. And I hadn't thought of it this way. And I think there's something to be said for the the, the way the Lishan of Michigan campaign has gone about this, mm-hmm. which is there's some folks that are, you know, have run a campaign called Abandoned Biden, which is like, it's done, it's over, whatever. The, the perspective of Lishan of Michigan is that these are people who are, have real complaints. They're substantive complaints. They disagree with the president's yeah. policy. How do we engage them in such a way that keeps them in an active political dialogue yeah. and actively politically involved, building towards something, right. as opposed to feeling completely alienated, rejected? And and her point there of, look, active is better than inactive. Yeah. Invested is better than alienated and okay. diffident, I think is actually a really important one for thinking about what the next five or six months into November look like. And a good sign for representative democracy. Completely. Right? That's what it should we be. We believe That's right. that we can see change yeah, right. if we just speak loudly enough. Yep. All right. We're going to have more of our continuing special coverage of the Michigan Democratic primary coming up. Stay with us. Absolutely. We voted uncommitted today, uh, again, to put that pressure on the current administration um, to uh, call for a ceasefire so that um, we can see peace and, um, yeah, just just peace around the world and, and no more death. And uh, so that's our goal. Welcome back to our coverage of the Michigan primary. Let's head back over to our very own Steve Kornacki at the big board. Steve, what do you got for us? Not much has changed, but two things just to point out. One, on the Republican side, we've been talking about that western Michigan area here where Haley, if she wants to, I think, crack 30 percent here, she's going to have to do really well. We are starting to get a little bit more Ottawa County, where Holland is. Again, 10 percent. She's at she's at 30 percent next door. Kent County, where Grand Rapids is. We've got about a tenth of the vote in here. And again, Haley down, running at about 30 These should be her absolute best counties in the state. These counties I just showed you in in, in Washtenaw and Oakland, which I was showing you earlier. And again, overall statewide, she's sitting at 29 right now. Democratic side, again, overwhelming Biden win. Uncommitted's ticked just under 15 percent. But we say we're looking at particular areas here. Uh, We're waiting on Dearborn. That's the biggest we're looking at. We're also looking for college counties. And we've talked about Washtenaw County, where Ann Arbor and the University of Michigan is. And so Washtenaw County right here, I can just show you the result within the county. Oh, that's let me take the marker off. The result within the county with about half the vote in is uncommitted running at 21%. But here's the interesting thing we've got now. Numbers specific to the city of Ann Arbor. That's where the University of Michigan is. And in Ann Arbor, the number right now is 63 to 32% for Biden. So uncommitted is hitting 32% in, in probably the most uncommitted friendly part of Washtenaw County, the most uncommitted friendly of perhaps the most uncommitted friendly county in the state. Right now, it's running at 32%. In all other areas of Washtenaw County that are not Ann Arbor right now, Biden is running at 77% and uncommitted is running at 18%. Again, that's with half the vote in. It's sort of a mix of there's early vote in, there's absentee vote in, there's same day vote in. None of these municipalities, none of these uh, town cities are complete yet in their count, but there is a disparity there. That's what it's running at right now. And again, Ann Arbor, uh, outside of Dearborn, maybe as good as it gets for uncommitted tonight. The least committed and the least committed and the least <laughs> committed. Steve Kornacki, thank you as always, my friend. 
So earlier this morning, on the day of the Michigan primary, this is what former President Donald Trump had to say about the president of the United Auto Workers Union. And the auto workers, I love the auto workers, uh, and I think they're going to vote for me, even though the head of the uh, union was just absolutely uh, just uh, so stupid. That would be the Republican presidential candidate, Donald Trump, calling the president of the UAW, Sean Fain, stupid on the day of the Michigan primary. Almost 13 percent of workers in Michigan are union members. That is three points higher than the national average. Union workers in the state are expected to lean left this evening, especially after President Biden's concerted efforts to strengthen that support. He received the UAW endorsement in January. He joined a UAW picket line outside Detroit last September, and he has passed legislation that created 30 new clean energy projects in Michigan, along with a threefold increase in private manufacturing construction. Tonight, we're going to see if all that work from T. Biden has paid off at the ballot box. Joining us now is Josh Marshall, founder and editor-in-chief of Talking Points Memo. Josh, thanks for being here tonight. Um, What's the strategy behind calling the president of the UAW stupid on the night of the Michigan primary? Is there one, do you think? I wouldn't say there is much of one. That's just pure Trump, right? You know, kind of if you don't like Trump, you're stupid and an idiot and a, and a loser and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I I have to imagine that that you know, Trump is is going to be playing to whatever dissident vote there is within the UAW. So it's not, you know, he's not really playing for that audience. But I don't think it's strategy. I think it's it's personality. That's who he is. That's who Trump is. It's just when you look at the number of things that Biden has done for the labor movement on whole, for union workers in the state of Michigan, it's it's astounding. Um, I we were talking to Debbie Stabenow, the senator earlier this evening and Mallory McMorrow, and they sound really bullish on Biden's chances in the state, notwithstanding the very legitimate concerns that are being um, aired this evening with the uncommitted vote. But just his economic record, the, the, the work he has done to champion labor rights, uh, workers wages, what he's done on the economy writ large. When you look at the sum total of all of this, do you think the narrative of Trump's sort of cultural pull on the white working class may be grinding to a halt in a state like Michigan? I'm not sure it's grinding to a halt. That's, you know, he definitely, th- that is, that's a certain kind of hold he has. It tends to be elements of the white working class that are not unionized. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole literature about the change in that vote over the last half century that is about the decline of unions, the, you know, the, the rise of other ways that, um, uh, the sort of the cultural and social life of, of white working class voters exists when, when, when there's no longer a strong union presence. So there's a, that's different to a significant extent in, in Michigan. I think Democrats have reason to be fairly bullish about, about Michigan. You know, I saw a comment a few days ago that, you know, they don't have a chance without a radically, you know, radical different policy, uh, in, in the Middle East. You know, the, the, the race is about tied with maybe a very slight lean toward Trump right now. So, you know, Michigan is always going to be close. It's certainly a, a dramatic, Biden's record 
is a dramatically different one than certainly Clinton had in the 90s. And even to a great extent uh, that Barack Obama had, uh, you know, uh, a decade ago, even though obviously uh, Obama rightly got a lot of credit for basically saving the auto industry for unions, his his, uh, you know, union organizing and labor movement. His record was was more mixed. So Biden has gone all in uh, on on this issue. That's not just about Michigan. That, that's something that really uh, informs his whole policy, you know, across, you know, uh, across everything the administration has done. So I think, um, you know, that will have a positive effect. But, you know, Michigan is always close. And I think, you know, what we seem to be seeing with this uncommitted vote tonight is, you know, enough for uncommitted to feel good about their result, but also Biden doing well enough to not feel like he's caught out or something. So I think overall for the Democratic Party, this is a this is a pretty good result out of tonight. Um, so, you know, I think they have reason to be bullish. Um, when you look at the sort of the, the the lines in the sand, as it were, Josh, when it comes to the Republican side of the aisle, Nikki Haley not doing as well as she did in previous primaries, Donald Trump seemingly consolidating support. What's your expectation for the Republican race? I, you know, my expectation for the Republican race as of a year ago was that Donald Trump was 100% the nominee. I've never had any question about that. Um, I do think that out of, you know, out of Iowa, New Hampshire, and even into South Carolina, you know, there was that fairly consistent 40% of basically no's. And, and look, Nikki Haley is basically a placeholder candidate. She's, she's consolidating the Republicans and Republican leaning independents who just don't want to, aren't ready to, to get on board with Donald Trump again. That doesn't mean they won't most of them won't vote for him eventually in November, but this is certainly a better result uh, than than Donald Trump got in in the first few contests. And I would say he's you know should be happy about you know a little happier about that than he's been about you know the results in the first three or four contests. Maybe he can lay off calling the UAW president stupid next time. <laughs> might do even better, Josh Marshall. Yeah, might do even better. Thank you for your time. We'll Thanks have so more of our special coverage of the Michigan primary right after this quick break. I can understand where they are coming from. I don't support that. I feel like often when people vote like uncommitted or third party, that end up, ends up hurting the Democratic Party more than the Republican Party. So there's a danger to that. If you are just joining us, in tonight's special election coverage of Michigan's presidential primary, NBC News is projecting Donald Trump to win 16 of Michigan's 55 Republican National Convention delegates. The other 39 will be awarded on Saturday during a GOP state party convention or maybe possibly conventions plural. Because if you have not yet heard, the Michigan Republican Party is currently a bit of a goat rodeo, fighting literally and figuratively over who their leader is. Either Trump loyalist and election denier Christina Caramo or Pete Hoekstra, the guy a faction of the party voted in to replace Caramo. Now, today, a judge in Michigan ruled that Hoekstra is now the rightful leader of the Republican Party in the state. And the judge has enjoined Ms. Caramo from accessing the party's mail and bank accounts. I mean, with winners like this, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. With elect- This is what happens when you have election deniers. 
Well, that's part of it. your party. That's part of it. They don't like ceding power. They don't. And and also just the kind of people that have been attracted into the party infrastructure in the Trump era. I mean, you know, we all saw the like, you know, in Arizona when they were doing their you know, forensic audit and they had the UV to find the Chinese bamboo paper in the ballot. But I mean, those are the people that show up, right? So those are the kinds of people that have taken over these parties. And a a big question for me is in Nevada, Arizona, Michigan, all of which have truly dysfunctional Republican parties, um, how much it's going to matter? Like how much is that going to matter on the ground come November? Maybe it doesn't matter in the presidential. Maybe it does matter at the congressional district level, statewide races. I don't know. But those parties are wild, wild situations. It's a wild situation led by a wild individual. That is going to do it for us tonight.